Hello everyone and welcome back to No Days But Today, the retrospective of the 2005 movie of the 1996 Tony Award winning Broadway show, Rent. I'm Blake, I used to be joined by my beautiful co-host Mandy, but she has dropped out of the show due to some scheduling issues, which is why you guys have another show in two months. It happens, but luckily I have some fantastic friends in the podcasting world who have agreed to come on the show to help me finish up the run, because in the MMX world, there is no way you have to finish your movie. So, I have some great people. Our first guest coming on was someone who wanted to jump on originally when we started this show, and he did a musical of his own, so it's kind of fitting that I'm starting with him. It's David <laughs> Kincannon. David, how you doing? I'm great, Blake. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Like I said, you were, you were literally the first person to ask me about a guest spot before we even started this show. We weren't doing guests. What brings you to want to do Rent so badly on this air? Um, Rent is a very important musical in my life. Um, it came out in 1996, right around the time I was uh, a freshman or sophomore in college. Um, I was raised in an extremely conservative environment as a child and had a lot of very conservative beliefs. And Rent was the first thing that really kind of opened my eyes to the sort of otherism that was out there in the world, things that I wasn't familiar with. Um, and uh, it's it's not the only thing that, you know, it, but I can, de I can definitely trace back a lot of my current political leanings and opinions directly back to rent. Wow. Well, there you go. I brought it up on this show. I grew up in New Jersey. So right. <laughs> I was in the middle of this. I was in high school when this came out. Right. Like, <laughs> In the midst of rent fever, and I yeah, I grew Broadway. up. I grew up in small town in a small town in the Midwest, um, in southern Illinois. And so this was this was completely this was completely foreign to me. <laughs> yeah, so I literally wa I would literally write on the twenty minutes away from this world. <laughs> this is based in, which is crazy when you think about it. As a matter of fact, I don't think I told this story. When the first time I went to New York for something was right before I started 8th grade. and Oh, 7th grade. Because it was my, um, 7th grade? I don't remember. It was 1996. It was right when this musical came out, but it was right it was right when the musical came out, but I got two tickets to the um, World Cup of Hockey. <laughs> okay. And it was at Madison Square Garden. And this is pre the cleanup of New York. This is pre-Giuliani. Right. Pre-Giuliani. So I remember my first time going to New York, and it's nighttime. I'm going to the garden to see a hockey game, and the place is a mess. <laughs> like, oh, my God. The city's terrible. I don't go back for, like, two more years, and I'm like, wow, this whole city's completely different now. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird how things changed from then to when I used to go all the time to the drama club for high school. So... But that's that's New York in a nutshell, though. And I love New York. I love New York City. I just went back I do recently. Too. Yeah. I haven't been I've I've only been twice. Um, I went in 1998 uh, and got to see Rent, saw Beauty and the Beast, saw a couple other things and then didn't get to go back again until 2017 when my wife and I went to celebrate our 40th birthdays and uh, we saw eight shows in six days. Holy crap. That's crazy. Yes. What did you say? That was uh, we saw Come From Away, Anastasia. Um, oh, I'm blanking now. Uh, Groundhog Day. Oh, so you're one of the ones. <laughs> yes, I was. I was one of the few who saw Groundhog Day. Um, I was also one of the few who saw Amelie. Oh my God, I forgot about that. Wasn't that the one with um, which was 
Um, the one from Hamilton. I can't think of her name right now. Yes, Philippa, Philippa, Philippa Sue, Sue yeah. was the was the lead character. Um, we saw. Gosh, what else did we see? We saw Hello Dolly with Bette Midler. Okay, because that's awesome. my wife is a huge Bette Midler fan. That's awesome. <laughs> um, we saw Kinky Boots. That's eight shows in six days. It's crazy. Yeah, we we just <laughs> we went all out and got as many as we could ahead of time, and we saw Aladdin. Um. And we, we used TKTS for a bunch of it. And for uh, we had to do standing room only for Hello, Dolly. And we got there at like three. We got to Schubert Alley at like three o'clock in the morning. And we were the second people wow. there. Wow. <laughs> so we spent we spent the night in Schubert Alley, which was awesome. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, I went to see what we took my son to his first Broadway show this summer. And we went okay. to see SpongeBob. Nice. And that was fantastic. That was absolutely bad. It's a shame it closed a month later because of renovations in yeah. the theater. Absolutely a shame. That should not have closed. It should have moved theaters or something because that was an amazing show. <laughs> but we're not here to talk about fun Bob. As much as I love to talk about the show, we're here to talk about Rent, which I saw on Broadway four times. <laughs> nice. Um, four different times in four completely different places. And I, me and Mandy talked about this. We sat in the second row my last time seeing it. So okay. amazing. Well, what we're going to do here, people know that I was breaking down the movie with Mandy. It was kind of weird because it was a weird circumstance. So what we're going to do, we're going to go back and forth between the Broadway show and the movie because at this point of the movie, things kind of vary. And I do want to talk about the stuff in the Broadway show, especially sure. because this will lead up to Rent Live in January. So I wanted to give a primer to people that don't know the show as well. By the way, how do you feel about Rent Live on Fox? Um, I am I am torn by the entire concept of these these live musicals on television uh, i think it's i think it's an interesting thing for people who can't get to new york to be able to see musicals um i have been underwhelmed by a lot of the choices they've made of the shows they're doing of the shows they've done over the years uh especially because it seems like every show that has been done already has a movie version of it and so i feel like they could have done they could have used that that space and that time to maybe do some things that were a little less, you know, well known while still being able to capture sort of a, a mainstream audience. Um, but I also I also think it's, you know, it's it's <sighs> Rent Live is gonna be very interesting because it's not the same, you know, it's it's not as quote unquote friendly as a lot of the other musicals that have been chosen. This is true. That's and that's funny now because I'm looking and look at the Broadway show now and I'm like, how the hell are they gonna pull this off? Like, how are they right. gonna do this? I uh, mean, and granted, society has society in a lot of ways has moved a lot closer to where Rent is, to where a lot of the ideas aren't as as crazy as they were in '96. But there are a lot of places where they've sort of resisted that kind of change. And, and at least it's Fox, and Fox has always been known to take chances. Sure, you know. And I will say Fox does have my favorite um, live musical, and that was Grease. My favorite one they did. That was the best one Grease, I did on TV. Grease Live was really good. I really enjoyed that. And actually, the fun part was Netflix put it up, and I rewatched it back without the commercial breaks and without the weird like, transitions they did. And it was amazing. It was a straight-up amazing to watch back the second time. Yeah. So I hope Brent lives up to that. That, that is my standard for the TV musicals by sure. far. <laughs> so... We, 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 we pick up um, before we get to the songs on the movie because there's some stuff that's not in the movie, as we've been discussing throughout the run here. First of all, in the Broadway show, 
as everyone knows, it's all the first act all done in one day. David, in your opinion, what do you think of the change-up to doing everything in one day in the Broadway show to breaking it up between three days in the movie? Um, I, you know, I really don't know that it makes that much of a difference. Okay. Fair enough. Because I know the explanation was that it didn't seem possible for them to do this much stuff in one night. <laughs> right. And I mean, and it's, it's one of those things where I, where it's, as you're living through it in the theater, I don't even know that you're necessarily conscious of the fact that it's all in one night. It's just, it's just all happening. That's true. And it, that, that is the logic. And in the movie, they, they, have, they give you breathing room, actually. It's a transition That's scene. True. There's somewhat breathing room. But in the Broadway show, the one thing they didn't do, they did do, because they were doing everything on one night, we didn't meet Maureen until Over the Moon. So we start up in the Broadway musical with We're Okay, a song that's not in the movie. It didn't need to be in the movie, looking at right. it now. But I actually like this song in the Broadway show because it sets up Joanne and Maureen's relationship. And, yes. and actually also sets up Joanne's career, which is something we don't really talk about much in the movie. You're right. Um, Joanne's jo- what Joanne, who Joanne is, and what Joanne does is is kind of cut down in the film. Honey, hold on. Steve, I need to hold on. Hello, <laughs> Dad. Yes, I beeped you. Maureen is coming to Mother's hearing. We're okay. Honey, what? Newt's lesbian sister. I'll tell them. You heard. They heard. We're okay. Short black hair, the Calvin Klein model, Steve gotta go. The model who lives in penthouse. We're we're okay. I'm on my way. Which is unfortunate because Tracy Toms is fantastic. Yes, and in the um, version of the Broadway show that I sent you was the final. Broadway performance, which I have on DVD, and Tracy Thompson's in that. So that's yes, nice. Yeah. It's nice to have that. Tra- yeah. Nice to have that. But yeah, pretty much we were okay. It's pretty much here just to set up the, the stuff between Joanne and Maureen that Maureen might be cheating on her. I love the fact that the Calvin Klein model, which cracks me up. <laughs> why is there the a one Calvin who, the, the one who lives in Penthouse A? Yes. <laughs> why is there, why do they have a Calvin, a Calvin Klein model in their building? That's a whole different story. <laughs> And then we transition out of we're okay. Okay, actually, let, let's stop there because I think that's interesting. One of the things that I've always that I've always found fascinating is the difference between the sort of lifestyle that Joanne and Maureen are living, right, versus the lifestyle that Roger and Mark are living. That's a good point. Because clearly, if they if number one, there's a penthouse in their building. <laughs> And a Calvin Klein model lives in that penthouse, and there's presumably multiple penthouses since there's a penthouse A. Right. It's not just the penthouse. Um, that says that's. I think that says a lot about their station as opposed to Roger and Mark, who are squatting it at the top of this rundown building that is that should probably be condemned and demolished. Also, one more note is that Joanne had a cell phone. <laughs> yes, in 1996. That is, I think, that is a Zach Morris cell phone, too, if you look at it. Yes. <laughs> it's a really big phone. Yes, it is. So I like the fact. And she asked Call Waiting, which is another thing. <laughs> like, what? I didn't even think we had Call Waiting in 1996. Like, what? <laughs> but she has Call Waiting on her cell phone. <laughs> which, sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
Well, people uh, looking back now are probably like, why is that a big deal? Like, that didn't exist. <laughs> right. <a> thing. <laughs> well, and that's another reason, I think, because with the with the shift in time frame, it would even be more out of place in 1989 as opposed to 1996. It's true, because it is based in 1989. Oh, yeah. That's right. the other thing. The Broadway show is not based in a date. The movie is. Is that an important right. difference for you? Right. Is that an important difference for you, though, that the movie is actually based in a year oh, and um, the Broadway show is not? You know, actually... So, so I remember when the, I remember when the movie came out. Um, I thought it was a really interesting idea to place it in a specific time, because at that point it, it sort of had started to feel like the the show was feeling dated, because okay. everything had stayed the same from that sort of mid '90s vibe, but without necessarily saying, "Hey, this is still the mid '90s." And so it, it felt a little weird, and I think that grounding it in a specific date um, gave it a little more of a sense of time and place. Okay, I hear what you're saying, and it makes and the I, outfits. And I really nice. liked, I really liked the the costumes that came out of that switch to 1989. Like I like Rogers' like denim jacket, and I like the the hair changes. That's true, and actually, I do. Like I said before, we went on the air. I have the movie up on my phone, and it's interesting. You're right; the costume changes between the Broadway show and the movie are completely different. Except, yes. for, except, for, except for Mark, because he has to have the shirt. <laughs> right. You know, as a, that's a difference, though. But I, do, I see what you mean, though, because with Joanne and Maureen, they're in their own little world. And then we know Angel is pretty much a homeless person at this point. Right. You know, <laughs> at this point. So it's, it's a very good point. But that perfect transition to Christmas Bells, which is a song I did reference at one point during I'll Cover You. But... This is actually interesting in the Broadway show because I like the transition that the fact that we were actually going from they set this song up all first act. Like we're setting this up. Christmas yep. bells are ringing. It's going to snow. We're going to get here. And now here we are. Christmas bells are ringing. Christmas bells are ringing. Christmas bells are singing on TV at Sax. Honest living, honest living, honest living, honest living. Can't you spare a dime or two? Give us for the grace of God's glory. Honest living, you'll be merry, I'll be merry. The merry ain't in my vocabulary. No sleigh bells, no Santa Claus, no Yule log, no tinsel, no holly, no hearth, no. song starts with the homeless people and this is actually one of my favorite jokes actually is the um squeegee man and then the rudolph the red nose reindeer flipping him off that's one of my favorite jokes in the song because <laughs> it's like okay perfect and there we are <laughs> no yep. we're doing so now we're actually in now we're actually seeing in the broadway show more of the atmosphere in the movie we get this for like about a minute we see it in the movie a couple of lines from Christmas Bells were in there. Christmas Bells, I remember when I went to see um, Rent on Today Show. They did something in New York for the Today Show where when Rent was actually announced and the cast did like, we're announcing the movie, so we're going to sing a couple of songs outside. And okay. Seasons of Love and What You Own were the two songs they did. But I remember meeting up with some people and making some friends, quote unquote, never talk to them anymore. But um, one of the girls said to me, <laughs> 
Christmas Bells is the song that I'm determined to learn all the lyrics to. <laughs> oh. It is one of the hardest songs. That's rough. Wish me luck, Allison. The protest is on. Mark, this is me. Hi. She'll be dining with I say this because I thought about this yesterday when I was t- putting my notes together. In other musicals, what is that song that is the hardest song? I know in Hamilton, it's the um, Guns and Chips. That is one of the hardest songs in that show. Yes. So he knows what to do in the trench, ingenuity, and fluent in French. I mean, Hamilton. so you're gonna have to use him eventually. What's he gonna do in the bench? I mean, Hamilton. no one has more resilience or matches my practical, tactical brilliance. Hamilton. You want to fight for your land back? Hamilton. I need my right hand man back. Yeah. Get your right hand man back. You know you gotta get your right hand man back. I mean, you gotta put some thought into the letter, but the sooner the better to get your right hand man back. What other sure. musicals, what do you think that song would be? Like, pretty much everything from Into the Woods that's fast. The cow is white as milk, the cape is red as blood, the hair is yellow as corn, the slipper is pure as gold. The cow is white as milk, the cape is red as blood, the hair is yellow as corn, the slipper is pure as gold. I still wish to go to the festival. The cow is white as milk, the cape is red as blood, the hair is yellow as I know, I'll visit Mother's grave, the slipper at the willow tree, and tell her I just want to go to the king's festival. Into the woods, it's time to go, it may be all in vain, I know. Into the woods, but even so, I have to take the journey. Oh, true. That's such a good point. <laughs> um, yeah, because because you know, Sondheim packs a packs a lot of words in a short time, especially like in "I Wish." Uh huh. There's a lot of stuff going on there, um, and a lot of interesting turns of phrase. Um, well, I don't know because nothing because there. This is a very different thing because there's so much. There's so many like there's so much polyphony going on. Right. So you've got like, you know, like four or five different things happening at once and it's all overlapping and it, none of it gets space. So you, you like catch little snippets of it here and there, unless you are specifically focusing on one thing. It's true. Because in the manner of this song, actually I have another one because I saw um, in the Heights here in Milwaukee recently and um, 96,000. The song that's like that yes. on stage. That's a tough one. Yep. And of course, Lil yeah. Miranda, of course. <laughs> right. But that's another tough one. Again, there's a hundred things going on at once in that song too. So. Yep. <laughs>
By the way, for those who... So, like you said, though, there's a lot going on in Christmas Bells. But we do start with the... with the We, we find out all the vendors going on, which I like, by the way. I like the fact that everyone's selling something. Because that's so New York. <laughs> yep. a, if you ever walk in a little Italy, that's what this feels like to me. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, like, Canal Street. Either way. You know, one of those things. Um, I, I brought this up, and I'll, I'll cover you, but at this point, this is where Collins and Angel are looking for Collins for a new jacket. <laughs> Which, the fact that they find the lady that's... That, okay, now, let me try to, I'm always trying to figure this out. The lady that's trying to sell the jacket, is that the person that stole the jacket, or did they buy the jacket from somebody else, and now they're selling it again? I feel like, I've always felt like it was somebody who bought the jacket from the people who were stealing. Okay, and, that's, that's another thing that I've always tried to figure out in the song. Yeah. Um, and then you have um, Mark and Roger, or Mar Roger is pretty much telling him about Mimi. <laughs> and right. I, that's cool. <laughs> the best friends having to run into, have to run into each other and catch him up, which I like that. <laughs> yeah. And I love the constant, the constant confusion on Maureen and Mimi, by the way, between the two of them, because they look pretty much, they don't look at all like <laughs> at all. That's <laughs> pretty funny. And then we have the drug dealing scene, <laughs> which is insane. Yeah. Absolutely insane. And I, I'm not going to lie, I didn't know that, I didn't never knew this many drugs until this show. <laughs> uh, same here. <laughs> And I'm a Kevin Smith fan, and I didn't know this many drugs until this show. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I don't, I still don't know what half these are. Like, I still have no idea. But, like, um, what the hell is D and C? I don't even know what that is. Cocaine, maybe? Coke? I don't uh, know. I, I have no clue. I honestly I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. Like, I know still, most I still of them. Don't. I know some of these, but I don't know all of them. That's the, worst, that's the crazy part. Like, Joogie Boogie Boy? I, uh, oh, Joogie Boogie. Like, I I'm pretty sure. That's a drug. I know I heard that in Riverdale, I think, once. <laughs> oh, okay. Riverdale. Interesting. Which, which is a weird one. Uh, like, I, like, I know X. I know X is ecstasy, obviously. Smack is heroin. I thought horse was also heroin, but. It might be something else. And then blow, obviously, it's obvious. But it's, there's a lot of little things you're saying. I'm like, okay, this guy has a lot. I would love to know where this guy got all these drugs from. That's what I want to know, too. Like, whoa. Yeah. Damn, and he makes a lot of money off this little area too. So okay, okay, Blake. Yes. Uh, I'm looking. I looked it up on Genius. Go for it. So take this. Take this as it, as we will. Um, there is one contribution that says that D is slang for crystal meth. Fair which enough. I don't really understand. Okay, whatever. Um, C is cocaine. Okay. Uh. Smack horse and Joogie Boogie are all references to heroin. Really? And then blow it. Yeah, and then blow is cocaine. Wow. Obviously. So much we just so. say the same thing over and over again just because they want a different slang. <laughs> that's how they yep. got, that's how they done it. The Larson in a nutshell. Just reiterating himself over and over again. <laughs> um so that happens. And then this is actually this is actually some of the stuff that's in the movie, but not sung. This part here, right. which I like. I like the fact that they included this because it's important because you needed Roger to find Amy. <laughs> they have to find each other somehow. Yep. And I like the fact that they include in the movie a line, the, hey, lover, boy, cutie pie, you still my client, you die. <laughs> that is like, whoa. Okay, and we're getting real all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. And I also like in the movie, they make Roger the tough guy. Like, I've been through this, and you are not going to tell me otherwise. Like, <laughs> Right. And I love the fact that that makes me very happy. 
Well, I also like that she ends up giving him shit about it later on. So true. So true. Especially in the movie. <laughs> in the movie, it's more prevalent, which I like. Yes. It's, it's, yeah. it's just like an off comment. Which, by the way, apparently that was not in the script. And that was them just goofing around and they kept it in the movie. <laughs> nice. So I like that. It's one of those, they know the characters and they're having fun. <laughs> right. Because it was such an off. What I like about that, it happens a lot in the movie, where there's off comments, like off microphone almost. Like, this, the world's still going on as we're transitioning. That's what I love about the movie at times. Yeah. Because there's another comment, there's another one in the movie, before we get to Over the Moon, which is in a minute, where, like, um, Mimi finds Angel. And they get their attention. And I love that. Because it's also setting up Mimi and Angel's relationship more. Right. So, meanwhile, we continue on. And while the um, junkies are still trying to get drugs, <laughs> the cold vendor is trying to sell a um, coat to Roger. <laughs> And at the same time, Roger is introducing Mimi to Mark. Right. <laughs> You're right. There is so much going on. As I'm reading it now, it's like, there is so much going on at the same exact time. <laughs> yep. There is, there is very, man, it's, I'm looking at the, it's broken out on, on Genius, like this section. And it's just like part one, part two, part three, part four, part five. And it's almost impossible to read. Yeah, and I, I have a bro- I have it broken down in the in the Ren Bible here, which is still okay. really difficult to go through. It's really right. difficult to go through all of them, breaking it down like we're doing. But the funny part is, says the following is sung simultaneously. That note is in here yep. <laughs> because there's that, and then it goes to the next section, which is the Christmas bells is ringing in the background while the police officers are dreaming of a of a of a right Christmas, just like the ones I used to know, Jingle Bells prison cells. Ha la 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 la. You have the right to remain silent night, holy night. <laughs> Seriously, that is fantastic wordplay that you can probably not hear if you're not paying attention. Right. <laughs> That's fantastic wordplay. So, then we find, now I'm just saying, I'm looking at the notes here, and I'm like, where is the fact that we find out about the coat? Because so much is going on. Oh, there it is. Earlier, before the vendors and the homeless people, we found out the coat was actually calling. They're trying to buy. <laughs> Okay then. So in uh, while this is going on in the background, we have um, Angel negotiating with the with the coat vendor, and how much you're gonna pay for the leather coat for Collins, and we actually narrowed it down to fifteen dollars, which is actually not a bad deal. Right, <laughs> that's a nice coat. Well, my 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 single my single favorite moment of this entire song is that's my coat. We give discounts. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> and he's so angry about it too. It's like, yeah, he is. <laughs> I don't blame him. I can't blame I mean, him yeah. at all. Well, I think it's funnier because he actually in the in the, he actually actually had the jacket with the arm sleeve in his hand, like <laughs> his right. sleeve, which is so important detail that they don't bring up in the movie. It's like an important detail of the coat. Right. So we go back and forth, and finally we get to the culmination of the song, which. It's different in the movie, but I still like it. The fact that Maureen comes out with the motorcycle sound effect in the Broadway show, but actually drives out on a motorcycle in the movie. I love yeah. the fact that they did that. Sure. <laughs> such a great moment, because it's such a Maureen moment. And we move on. Um, I'd like to note in the Rent Bible, it's pretty much just pictures of Indina Menzel yelling into her microphone. <laughs> it's pretty much all <laughs> pictures are A real, real yeah, young Indina amazing. Menzel. <laughs> I, I will give I will give a lot of credit. Um, I think that the character of Maureen is not the the most well written character in the show, 
But this performance, the performance of Leap of Faith or Over the Moon, is one of the most difficult looking things that I've ever seen in musical theater. I gotta get out of here. It's like I'm being tied to the hood of a yellow rental truck, being packed in with fertilizer and fuel oil, pushed over a cliff by a suicidal Mickey Mouse. I've got to, 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 got to find a way to jump over the moon. Only thing to do is jump over the moon. And in in the movie, and if you didn't know this, if you didn't know this in the movie, this is the only song. That is actually not done without like, lip syncing or a backing track. She did this live on the stage. Nice. So because they wanted the real reactions, and if she made a mistake, it's live. It's technically it's live theater, so it's not a big deal, you know. <laughs> That's what it's meant to be. I I never know how to explain this performance. This <laughs> is so difficult to explain. Oh, to it is. It is so night early, like late eighties, early nineties performance art. Um, I remember when I was, you know, when I was a kid, you know, when I was in high school, um, again, like I said, I was, I was raised in a very conservative household. Um, and I remember doing, you know, reading some stuff about, uh, the national endowment for the arts and things that it was being used for. And I remember being, you know, as, as a, as a 14 year old conservative, uh, I was sort of appalled by some of the things, but this this totally takes me back to that time and reading about those those performances and those those art things like um, like the one that that always that I always remember. There was an art installation of a crucifix in a jar of urine that was referred to as piss Christ. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, and so that was, you know, that was, you know, that that hit me kind of hard as a kid. Um, and you know, this, this reminds me of something along the lines of that. You say piss Christ. The funny part, the first thing I think of is, um, in Glee, where they did that whole episode that Finn found a picture of Jesus in his grilled cheese sandwich. Oh, uh, that reminds me the, of yeah, grilled, grilled, Jesus. grilled Jesus. Yes. That's what that reminded me of just now when you said that. Yeah. I'm thinking for getting the reference, by the way, because those people get Glee references. So thank you. <laughs> oh, no problem. Yeah. I, I watched every episode. I watched of that every show. episode. Hey! There you go. There you go. <laughs> that was one of my me and my wife shows that it was on. We didn't miss an episode. So <laughs> that was my show. My wife hated it. Oh, I, what, so. me and my wife. She had a big crush on um. She had a big crush on Cory Monte. So massive crush on. There him. you go. So unfortunately, we all know how that ended. But hey, yes, that was a great show. It's a great show. <laughs> so back to over the moon. I guess the whole point of this is pretty much to just get under Benny's skin and at the same time do a rally. I think that's the whole point of this song. And I love the fact that in the Broadway show, Benny's like behind her. But in the movie, he's in the crowd. And I like the fact better that he's actually in the crowd watching this chaos. Yeah. And this ridiculousness. And I also love the fact that he's like watching his friend and trying not to be happy for her. At the same time. Yeah. It, it does feel yeah. like that in the movie more than the Broadway show. So, I, that's my personal opinion. I will say, 
to, my wife actually dressed as Marine for Halloween one year and had the cowbell nice. and a little like stuffed cow and all those little things just to have some fun with it. And even like was carrying around some Diet Coke <laughs> just because it was funny. And nobody got the joke but me, but I thought it was hysterical. <laughs> so I just wanted to bring that up because it's a funny visual. I had that picture somewhere I got to find. So I don't know how I don't know what else to say about this song because I'm not going through all the lyrics because it's just a crazy, crazy crap no, song. No, of course not. It's impossible um, to go through. I this think one. there there are some there are some allusions, you know, to to things like the the stuff with like the whole um. Well, what's the nursery rhyme? The the cow jumped over the hey yes. diddle diddle. Yes. The whole hey diddle diddle the uh, theme that runs throughout. Um, and the you know the dish and the spoon stuff. I love that. Yeah, they they, they went off the table it's, and eloped. <laughs> yes, that's a great line. The I will do the one thing I will always complain about in the movie. Why did we have to have the visual from this from the sky cam of her suckle, suckling the tit of a fucking cow? Oh, like, why did we need that oh, visual? Like, why was that needed? I I don't know. <laughs> it's it's certainly interesting. But I, I love the fact that it starts to the mooing, and the mooing doesn't really pay off in the movie. Like, it pays off in the Broadway show. But it's right. still fun. In the movie, we have the riot. And this is where we actually see the riot, because you couldn't do the riot on stage. Or it would be way too right. chaotic. And I, I love the fact that Mark runs and is filming the whole thing. <laughs> because it's so Mark. It's a Mark thing to do. Like, hey, opportunity, I'm going to go film this. <laughs> And the other thing I also love in the movie is Angel um, attacking the cops who are trying to pull away Collins. <laughs> <laughs> she turns into a fucking ninja the, out of nowhere. <laughs> the, the kick to the one cop. Yes. It is it, amazing. It is amazing. <laughs> I, the first time I started, we were in the theater, and I openly laughed. Like, <laughs> it's hard not to laugh at this moment, but it's such a great moment that you can't help but laugh. Because it's Angel in her own getup and kicking somebody in the head. <laughs> Wait, what? Right. Where did that come from? All right, cool. She's good at everything, apparently. That's what we're learning here. Yep. Yep. And so we we head off out of the riot. And I also love Maureen trying to calm down the riot from the top of the stage. <laughs> wow, Joanne's going to get with fruit on top of the lights. <laughs> like, I, I like that Joanne is, like, stuck up there on, like, the cherry picker. Yeah, and she's going to hit with stuff. And she's going to hit with stuff on the lights. Yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> Come on, get out of there! Why are you still up there? <laughs> so, we move on to Life Cafe. And this is where things get fun. Yep. And, first of all, I like the fact in the movie they're worried about Mark. That Roger is really worried. Like, everyone's here except Mark. And then Mark eventually shows up. And the one thing I want to know, how much time goes by in the movie, like, that it takes him to show up? Like, how long are they just sitting there waiting for him to show up? Boy, I don't, it, it's unclear. Um, and it's, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, eh, were they were they sitting there for, like, 45 minutes? An hour? Like, they waited to have dinner, but they're waiting for him to show up. They don't know where he is. There's no, there's, and, and in the movie, there's, like, no cell phones or anything to kind of talk to talk with anybody. So... Right. I don't know what they're thinking, and then he shows up all happy because he sold the he sold his um footage to a to a um to a news station. Right. What? what? <laughs> it's such a strange transition because it's... you have Roger all concerned, and then Mark is coming in all happy. <laughs> so we're at the Life Cafe, 
And by the way, I was very sad to know the Life Cafe closed a few years ago, and I couldn't go to take pictures by yeah. it when I went to New York. I really wanted to do that when I was in the city this year. So that would have been. Yeah, there's certain pictures I wanted to take, and that's one of the ones I didn't get a chance to because they're closed now. It's an unfortunate thing. All right. So, okay, moving on to La Viva Wham. Now, when I messaged you and I said, what songs do you want? You immediately jumped on La Viva Wham. Why is that? Um, well, because, I mean, there are a lot of reasons. I mean, first of all, it's, it's my, it's to me, it's my, it's my, we didn't start the fire. Fair enough. All of the sort of cultural illusions that are, that are in the, in the song, um, I think are fantastic. Uh, especially as I've gotten older and my, my tastes have grown to be more avant-garde. There's a lot of stuff in here that I didn't understand at the time when I was 18 years old. And now that I'm 41, um, I really have a, a, a large appreciation for the stuff, you know, some of the, the references. Very true. Um, and it was, it's, it's fun. It's probably the most fun song in the entire show. It's a party song at this point. Yeah. At this point, we're celebrating at the end of the first act. Yep. <laughs> and there is so much here and so much craziness. And by the way, I have to thank a BuzzFeed article for actually breaking down some of the stuff for me. So oh, I don't there you go. Do it, so I don't have to do it. <laughs> which I appreciate. And I'll be referencing that as we go along in the song. Um, before we get into the song, though, I-, I love the restaurant guy in the Broadway show giving Mark shit. Give me Mark shit. <laughs> right. It's in the movie, too, but it's more prevalent in the Broadway show because it's just funnier when it's sung. <laughs> well, yeah, and he's a little more – he's a little pushier about it than the guy in the movie. The guy in the movie is kind of nebbishy and kind of, mm, I don't, I don't really want you here and – well, then Angel gives him money, and then it's all good. That never right. happens in the Broadway show. <laughs> right. Like, I almost think they put that in the movie just so they can get away with it and move on. Because that might be a little like, okay, give her money, we'll move on. <laughs> right. And then also, I love the moment where they're like, let's put, don't put the tables together. Let's push these tables together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as, a, as a lifelong server, I am sympathetic to the dilemma there of the of the host and the servers. Yeah. Like you, you can get away with it on the stage because like you have to get the state the, the table set up for a certain rate. But in, the, in an actual establishment, you can't get away with that. Yeah, no. Well, yeah, I, mean, I mean, maybe you can because okay, I I'll mean, be um, I'll be honest. I'm a park diner in New Jersey. Maybe because we were regulars, we we're regulars. But right. Anytime we'd show up, did we would show up as like ten to fifteen people at time after bowling, and they would put tables together for us. So I can't say they didn't. <laughs> Yeah, and we will do it at the restaurant that I work at currently. We will do it, um, you know, for large parties uh, because, you know, our, most of our tables are all four tops. And right. So we will we will push them together if we have, like, a reservation for ten people. So, like I said, we were regular to the diner, so that could be one of those things where we're like, oh, they're here, let's push your tables together in the back because <laughs> we know they want right. these tables together because there's so many of them we're going to make a lot of money off the table. <laughs> I mean, I think that's part of the concern here, though. Is that even though even though you know this one person did flash a wad of cash, these are people who come in and they don't order very much and they stay forever, and so you're taking up, you know, twenty five seats. Which you do clarify yeah. when they order food, though. So we'll get to that in a minute. That's <laughs> we'll, true. You order food, which is something they didn't do. But I do love uh, Mark saying, "I can't. I I came here and had it and ordered a tea." <laughs> I took a tea here the other day. I'm like, what? Okay, so you sat down and had a tea, and you want that to be an argument for why you should sit here and do nothing. That's not an argument. That's not really an argument to me. No. So, 
we get in here and we find out that Benny and um I I'm what is his name? I'm I don't have it in here, I just have it, it just says um what is Mr. Gray, Mr. Gray of the Westport Gray. Thank you, Mr. Gray. Benny and Mr. Gray have made it there before them. <laughs> and Maureen is not happy to see them, as you can tell. I love Maureen's sarcasm, though. Maureen's sarcasm is amazing. <laughs> I love Maureen's sarcasm. Because <laughs> she's being such a bitch but being so nice about it at the same time. <laughs> right. Um, I, I also love Benny just being an asshole. I'm being completely blunt here, because he goes and says, "Not counting the homeless, how many tickets were in comped?" <laughs> Ouch. I mean, <laughs> so so I've always thought that was a weird that was a weird line, because was she selling? Was she actually selling tickets? I well, I well, if we saw the flyer at the beginning of the movie, they actually have a flyer. I never saw a praise at the bottom, but you never know. I mean, maybe it was one okay. of those things where maybe she was accepting money. To go towards some Maybe. fund. I don't know. They never explained that in the movie or in the Broadway show. Like yeah. I even paused it on the poster originally being in the movie, and there's nothing on the poster that says the price. So yeah, it just always seemed like it was in like this weird like public area. Yeah, and, and, you know, in this lot, and so like it it always seemed odd to me the idea that you would charge for tickets to it, but. Yeah, maybe it was like a a, a a suggested donation. Exactly. Helping us like, stay here. Like maybe if we raise enough money, right. we'll, we'll be able to stay here instead of being kicked out. That's right. possible. And it was, the name of the place, by the way, the name of the location is The Place. As we learned earlier in the movie. Which yeah. cracks me up. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's stupid, but it makes me laugh. Um, now, the one thing in here. Is that they actually they they, they, they do mark do start talking about the fact that um Arquita Evita, but in the Broadway show, Benny starts talking to Mimi, which doesn't happen in the movie. <laughs> right. Uh, I I don't know how much I like the fact that they took it out of the movie because it's important for later. <laughs> yeah, what do you it think? does it does cut down your knowledge of their pre, of their prior relationship. Yeah, it happens a lot, actually, later in the film, too, where they kind of don't talk about it that much, even though it's important for the end of the movie. Like, it's really, really important. Right. But they don't talk about it, which is weird, you know? But that brings us into the song, and I'll get into the movie version, because that's what reference I have all the references on my me. But a line that me and my wife, to this day, and I think a lot of rent heads do this, who died? Arakita Evita. <laughs> We will Evita, and you got to do the hands. Day. Yes, Evita. Cracks me up every time, and we do it every time, no matter what. It can be a serious death. If anyone ever, if someone goes on and you hear who dies, me and Mandy look at each other every single time, no matter what. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. It's become a thing. So, let's jump in here to the references. This is a reference-heavy song, people. There's a lot going on in here. If you don't know the song, go play it. I'll play some lyrics as we go along here, but this is a great song to begin with. <laughs> but there is so much to this. And as David said, as you get older, you appreciate the song more and more. Yep. <laughs> I'm with you on that because we're, we're only about six years between us, so I completely I... understand. <laughs> All right. Um, the first thing in the notes, we actually start talking about Bohemia, Bohemia, fallacy in your head. This is Calcutta, Bohemia is dead. And in my little notes here, they actually explain what Bohemia comes from, which is actually from the 19th century. And for impoverished French artists moved to a lower neighborhood, traditionally accompanied by Romania people. So that's where the Bohemia comes from. And Calcutta 
is actually the is is based on the capital of West Bengal in India. And uh, and actually at the time when this actually in 1996, it was experienced a boom in population caused by war refugees as well as the stagnation in social political development leading to a global precipitate that city was um was blight as scum. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Straight off the bat. A lot going yeah, so on basically, here. yeah. So basically, Benny's saying, you know, you've you've created this idealized place in your head, and it that's not what it is. You live in a slum. Yep. Um, and then we actually cut right to. I love the fact that the, the song gets right into things, and Mark stands up. Dearly beloved, we gather here to say our goodbye. On these nights when we celebrate the birth In that little town of Bethlehem We raise our glass You bet your ass to La Vibo Dearly beloved, we gladly here to say our goodbyes, and that we know we're getting into things. And I love mm-hmm. Mark in this song. Mark is amazing in this song, beginning to end. He is for me is like almost the all star of this song for me. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, Roger and Collins get up, and they actually the 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 lines are actually a a Latin hymn and a prayer, which translate actually to Lord have mercy. Extended two different variations, but pretty much what it translates into. So that's cool. Um, the one actually change between the Broadway show, obviously, because they'd be translated to three days, is one lyric change, and that was where Mark actually says, um, "On this night where we celebrate the birth in the little town called Bethlehem." In the Broadway show, they have night because it's Christmas Eve. In the movie, we're on the 27th or 26th, so it is days and nights. On these nights. Yeah, on these yep. nights. Which I like the detail. A little detail yeah. that I call on the soundtrack immediately because I know this song so well. <laughs> right. And then we have, we raise our glass, you bet your ass, and then we have Marine Mooning, Betty <laughs> and Mr. Gray, which uh, it's hysterical. That I, I love the fact that they actually kept that in the movie and they actually zoomed in on her ass. It's just so like, what, why are we doing this? It makes no sense. We're fine. Let's, do, let's, just, let's just ham it up more. Why not? <laughs> so that's awesome. And I like to make a note that um, in, in the BuzzFeed article, it says, um, if you don't know what absolute is, it is a vodka. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's in the notes in here for BuzzFeed. All right. So this is where things get fun. Um, I actually did not know a lot of these names when I was growing up, and I know you probably didn't either, because we were so right. young at the time. Did you know Maya Angelou when you were younger? Yes, I did know Maya Angelou. Uh, we had studied, I believe we had studied Where the Caged Bird Sings, like my junior year of high school. Fair enough. For those who don't know younger people, that are, or people that are coming in here like, well, who are these people talking about? American, uh, African-American poet, actress, and civil rights organizer. Very important yep. person in our history. 
Um, my favorite part of Mark here, and I love the fact that they kept this in between this. Oh, I forgot to mention this at the beginning. This is the song they performed at the Tony Awards. Yep. This is the song. It is Hidden Love and This. And they actually brought it back for the 10-year anniversary of the Tony Awards also. I forgot to bring that up. But I, I always crack me up um, Creation Vacation Mucho Masturbation where Mark gets up and started racking on the table. <laughs> like, wow! <laughs> Who put that in there to do that? And then he keeps doing it, which is even funnier. <laughs> um, yes. To Sondheim, to Sondheim, to anything taboo, um, Susan Sontag and obviously Stephen Sondheim, who we've already talked about Stephen Sondheim. Um, Susan Sontag, did you ever hear that name when you were younger? Um, no, I did not. He- I did not know who Susan Sontag was until after this had already, until after I had already heard this. Yes, uh, same same with me. For those obviously Polish American essayist and critic, whose best te- known text is on photography. She contributes some some sensibly to the dialogue surrounding the age crisis, which obviously yes. is where we're basing where we're in. Ginsburg, Dylan, Cunningham, and Cage. Obviously, Bob Dylan. If d- people know right. who Bob Dylan is, you have problems. Not gonna lie, <laughs> legendary. Um, Allen Ginsberg, another poet. Right. I didn't. I that's a name I didn't know actually for a long time. Um, means Cunningham, a, a choreographer and dancer who founded the Mirth Cunningham Dance Company. That one's still like that one's like I think that's like the most esoteric reference <laughs> I have in a feeling, the entire thing. I have one of those things where I think it was just somebody that Jonathan Larson wanted the reference right. <laughs> at that point. And then John Cage, uh, American composer, most famous for his work 433, which is four minutes and 33 seconds of silence. Yep. I actually did not know that one at all. <laughs> that one, that one, we actually listened to. Um, it, that was a joke that my uh, composition t- uh, professor played on us my <laughs> my sophomore year of college. Oh, that's funny. I like that. Uh, that is funny. <laughs> we he he brought us in and we, he was like, "We're gonna listen to some John Cage." And there were a couple of people who knew what was up. I was not one of them. And he, you know, he, I think he had, I think he had an actual vinyl version of it. So he puts the needle on the record, <laughs> put the needle on the record, put the needle on the record. And we sat there for four minutes looking at each other like, what are we doing? <laughs> that's hysterical. Yeah. A lot. That's a really funny guy. Um, that reminds me of – there. people remember the band Bowling for Soup? They did the song yes. in 1985. And yep. there's a song on their album that's literally a minute of silence. <laughs> and the joke in, in my friend Joe set this joke up one time we're having a barbecue in his backyard he's like I'm going to play this song it is the 10th best thing about New Jersey and it's on the st- album it says this it's a track title the 10th thing about New Jersey <laughs> and he presses play in one minute of silence <laughs> wow <laughs> like wow <laughs> that's a thing on an album we used to type putting it on there just for a joke <laughs> yep. the reason that's there all right, um, where were we? We were on... Lenny, Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce. Next. Lenny Bruce is absolutely... They're the name I knew. Actually, they're the name I always know. Yes. Legendary. Legendary. For an, and actually, I want to know... And here is, it's, for those who don't know, was convicted of, of obscenity for his agenda-driven stand-up work with pardon in, 20, in 2003. Yep. 37 years after his death. Um, Langston Hughes. That was one I knew. You knew, okay. Um, yes, we had studied. We had studied some of his poetry 
uh, in high school as well. I think around the same time that I was that we were studying Maya Angelou. Fair enough. Um, I, I actually I like the notes in here. It, I like by the Buzzfeed did a great job with this article. I'm just gonna keep saying that because they're amazing with this one. I usually don't call him a Buzzfeed much, but this one I give him a praise for. <laughs> but um, it says commonly considered the leader of the Harlem Renaissance. So there you yep. go. Very fitting for where we are. Um, moving back into this to the stage to Uda to Buddha. Um, how do I remember saying this one right? Pablo Neruda. <laughs> to, right. And then why Dorothy and Toto went over the rainbow, obviously. And, uh, Wizard of Oz reference, but the right. other ones we have um, Ada Hagen. Uh, Hagen. 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 There you go. Thank you. I, as yes. people know from my other show, I'm very bad with pronunciations. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone wants and to if, laugh, anyone wants to laugh. If anyone, if anyone has listened to any of my podcasts, I am, I am the guy. I am the go-to guy for pronunciations. Yes, uh, there have been two episodes in the last year on the Lakers House Show, and they're both in June. <laughs> one was my Tony Awards preview show where Matt Temanetti kept having to help me with pronunciations of names. <laughs> and then there was the most hilarious show I do every year, and that's our NHL Awards preview show. You can see where the problem here is. <laughs> yes. Yes, all of those Russian Eastern names. European names. Yes, yes, Russian names are hilarious for the three of us who are white American men trying to pronounce them. <laughs> so, everyone here, bad pronunciations. Those are two shows that came out in June that are hysterical to listen to. And the <laughs> And the Broadway ones are now a tradition now, so we're doing another one coming up this year. So, <laughs> anyway, Buddha, obviously everyone knows Buddha. That's an obvious right. one from Buddhism. And then, um, where are we now? Pop, uh, Pablo, Pablo Neruda. Pablo Neruda, and a Nobel-winning poet, of course. Another one. Notice a trend here. <laughs> yes. And by the way, I love the wise-ass person who in the here in the BuzzFeed article, Dorothy and Toto, the girl in the blue dress from Wizard of Oz and her dog. Come on now. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> All right. Um, now I'm just trying to see where we are in the song. I'm just going by the notes on the plus feed thing. Um, what I like about this whole thing, if we're doing all this, meanwhile, okay, what do you prefer, Marine being in the song in the movie or not being in the song in the Broadway show? Um, I mean, I I kind of like her being there. So do I personally. I like in the movie that she's involved. Because it right. just kind of feels like she's left out. I know what the point, really, with her, with things going on in the Broadway show. But I like it better that she's there. And the fact that they can actually have some fun with her there. I think right. it's more fun that way for me. Because yeah, I think we get a, li- we get a little more, um, we get a little more of who she and, Ma- who, who Maureen and Joanne are as a couple. In the movie. Seeing them, seeing them, yeah, seeing them in the movie. Yes, and I like the fact that they're doing their thing, and then we also have Collins and Angel doing their thing, right? <laughs> Throughout the whole song, which I love. But that transitions to the um, bisexual, trisexual, homo sapiens, and that's fun. But then the Pee Wee Herman line just drops in here out of nowhere. This kind of drops. It's I mean, there. how many times? How many times have we talked about masturbation in this song? Very true. Very true. <laughs> so I mean, not really out, not really out of nowhere. No, but it's just like it just drops in, and I feel like the right. fact that we listen to a lot of MMX shows, and for some reason, Pee Wee Herman comes up a lot. <laughs> a lot of MMX shows for some reason. I'm not quite sure why. But um, I also love the fact that it says the television alter eagle of Paul Rubens, the the character who was partially retired after Rubens was arrested for indecent exposure. That was 1991. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that was that long ago. And that happened. Yep. Wow. It didn't, it didn't feel like that long ago. 
Anyway, German wine turpentine. Um, where are we? Gertrude Stein. Gertrude Stein. <laughs> Another random name, but um, did you know this name going in? Yes. Okay. Uh, this was one that I had learned also around high school. Um, I, boy, we, we talked a lot about poetry in my high school. I noticed that. Like, you had um, a lot more education about this stuff in high school than I did. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 my, my, uh, I think my American literature teacher was very big on poetry. I'm noticing so, this. My, my, my um, English teacher didn't care. <laughs> yeah. And I, I knew of, I knew of the, the group that was known as the Algonquin Round Table. Okay. Which was a group of poets and, um, you know, novelists and other bon vivants that, had sort of their this sort of grouping this grouping of people in like 1940s New York um that were you know they were the the top of society fair enough fair enough so um here you can have the pronunciations of our next three names Antonioni Bertolucci Kurosawa Very and nice. then the Carmina Burana yes and um these are pretty much we're we're at people at this point where I I, I feel like um, Jonathan Larson just said I'm just going to put down a bunch of people that are related to me in some way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this, this is point. this is really a this becomes stream of consciousness at this point. <laughs> like you said, we didn't start to fire. That's what this feels like at this point. Yeah, <laughs> right. I haven't thought about that way till you said it. It's a good point. I never thought about that reference. That's a fantastic reference to this song because we're really just naming people. That's all we're doing yep. at this point. We're just going to keep naming people as we go along here. And um, it's fun. I Don't get me wrong. But you're right. It is very Billy Joel <laughs> yep. at this point. Um, because a lot of the stuff makes sense. To apathy, to empathy, to empathy, to ecstasy. And then we just start naming people again. Right. <laughs> but... I, I, by the way, this comes up to one of my favorite lot moments in the Broadway show. It did not do justice in the movie. Would we get to, to marijuana and we zoom in on Collins and the light is on Collins and he's smoking up marijuana on the stage. Right. <laughs> I do not yeah, do that it, justice in the movie. <laughs> it's really just kind of tossed off in the movie. In the Broadway show, it made a point in the Broadway show, which yeah. I love. Because it's funny. It's a funny joke. And, and the fact that it's just there, it just makes it even funnier. Um, to sodomy, it's between God and me. Sure, why not? <laughs> to S and M, love you, Yeah, wow. and and that's the point where Benny and his father-in-law have had it. <laughs> they're done. They're out. Goodbye. <laughs> yep, they're done. And um, that's where. And by the way, I would like to say here, the rest, according to Buzzfeed, the rest of Love Ebowem is fairly reference-free in text. <laughs> that's true. So we will just jump back over to the lyrics and have some fun, because I right. I, I love the I love this sequence because. Everyone gets their point to shine. Yep. Everyone does. And I like that. Because why not at this point? Like, we're all having a party. Everyone should have their moments. And we start, I believe, in the Broadway show, they actually change the order a little bit in the movie. Because I think Mimi actually comes up before a little okay. earlier than she does, which is true. But I actually like the fact that everyone gets their moment. And I'm just trying to follow along in here. Oh, yeah. In honor of Death of Bohemia, an impromptu salon will commence immediately following dinner. <laughs> and this is actually where we found everyone's last name, by the way, also. But, yeah, they do actually do Maureen yep. actually yep. gets said by Collins, and, M and Mimi is said by Mark in the movie. So it's vice versa. Right. Which yes, I like. switched. But um, Mimi Marquez, I, this is, I, I, the visual of this knowing it's Rosario Dawson is amazing for me. 
<laughs> this individual this is fantastic Clyde only in bubble wrap will perform her famous lawn chair handcuff dance to the sounds of my teeth being stirred <laughs> what a what a what a visual like it's it's ridiculous it's sublime bordering on ridiculous <laughs> well that's also ridiculous that Mark Cohen will preview his new documentary about the inability to hold an erection on the high holy days <laughs> what <laughs> all yeah, that mean yeah, that's. Oh my god! So um, a lot of stuff about Mark's dick in this. In this <laughs> I know. There's a lot about that, or the lack of like him getting any. That's right. Yes, that's true. Because he's the only one not with anybody really throughout this entire yep. show. That's important to note. But by the way, I want to make a note that it, it, this is going to show my nerdness of this movie. That there's actually back in this when the movie came out, there was actually people were writing fanfic for this movie in the Broadway show, and they wrote in a Mark a girlfriend in the fanfic. Because they felt bad they didn't have a girlfriend on the show. <laughs> <laughs> that is the truth. That happened. Oh, 2005 internet. <laughs> Early days of the internet, people. Fanfic about Oh, I miss me. <laughs> um, it's just not the same anymore. No. No, the, the random shit that went on. You know, Maureen Johnson, backroom for a spectacular one night in engagement in the 11th Street lot, will sing Native American tribal chants backwards through her vocoder while accompanying herself with an electric cello, which she has never studied. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my yeah. god yeah that's, that's that's a thing that gets said and then obviously in the Broadway show we have more with Mimi and Benny which we really don't have in the movie right um, then we cut to Roger who is still playing um, mom, the, his waltz that's his, his waltz yes. his waltz which we referenced obviously earlier in the movie right um, then we have Collins and Angel which I love the fact that they're on the same page which is great the entire yep. No matter what happens, they're always on the same page. That's amazing to me. Um, Angel de Machinade will, ro- will model the latest fall fashions from Paris while accompanying herself on the 10-gallon plastic pickle tub. That is, I, I, that is just Angel in a nutshell. <laughs> yep, it sure is. <laughs> and then and Collins will recount exploits on an anarchist, including the television successful reprogramming of MIT virtual reality equipment to self-destruct as they broadcast the words, actual reality, act up. Fight AIDS, which and then and then Benny calls for the check, which is amazing. And that's when we get to Mimi and Roger arguing. And yeah, so there's I, I noticed something interesting when I was watching this earlier today. Yes, um, there is a moment right as Mimi comes over, and Roger's got the guitar in his hand. And I don't know if it's coincidence or if it was instinct because he was listening to the playback, but. As as Mimi comes over to him, you see him actually strum in rhythm of what's happening in the instrumental. Wow, I didn't notice that. I have to catch yeah. that again when I watch it back. I did not notice that. It's that's just a like cool a, it's just like I think three brief eighth notes, and it's just it's really quick. But I was like, oh, that that's exactly what's happening. Well, that works. That also, works. also, I don't know about picking up somebody's guitar at a bar. At a lot of the bar, at a lot of the the music bars that I've been to, that'll get you knocked out. Yeah, well, we're in a musical, so why not, right? It's, one yeah, of those, it's, it's, the, it's the musical logic. You, you get away with it in this world only. So <laughs> it's like, I always call that like the hairspray rule, where you can get away with anything in hairspray. Like, there's no rules in that movie, like at all. That's true. <laughs> it's the same thing in any musical, but the, the hairspray is the worst, because there's so much going on that doesn't make any sense whatsoever, and that's why I love the movie so much. <laughs> Are you saying that rats don't dance around your feet when you walk down the street? <laughs> no, I do not. And I don't think they allow you to sing a song while you're at back of a garbage truck either. I don't think you're allowed to do that either. Probably, probably not. 
So, um, Mimi's annoyed that Ryder's been ignoring her. Which, by the way, does not seem evident in the movie, as it does in the Broadway show. Right. This is being completely honest here. It doesn't seem as clear that she's mad at him until this point, because it just looks like everyone's having a good time. <laughs> so, in the Broadway well, show, Betty points it out more than anything else. Right, and and I think and I think that's a big that's a big problem with the cutting out of the Benny and Mimi stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. Is that you don't you don't get a lot of that. Yeah, because that in the Broadway show, Betty is the one that makes it very clear that she's being ignored. So, your new boyfriend doesn't know about us. There's nothing to know. Don't you think that we should discuss? It was three months ago. He doesn't act like he's with you. We're taking it slow. Where is he now? He's right. Uh huh. Ready, go. And then the pagers go off. Yep. And it's AZT break. Now. The, a lot of people had actually been doing this research earlier in the movie about earlier in the movie about AZT that people were saying once you dated the movie that the AZT break doesn't make any sense and we've actually did debunk that to find out that AZT came out in the early 80s so that works out nicely for this but I like the fact that it's not just them there's a whole bunch of other people in, especially in the Broadway show that are taking pills at the same time I think it's important yep. that it's yes. not just them and then we cut to I should tell you. I should tell you. I should tell you. I should tell I blew the candle out just to get back in. I'd forgotten how to smile until your candle burned my skin. I should tell you. I should tell you. Which I love the version in the movie because it's outside in the snow. It's so romantic. I <laughs> I love the visual of it. It sounds a little too auto-tuned for my personal taste. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but you know, my again, my personal taste. Fair enough. But so. I, I like the fact that it's more romantic, though. It's very romantic. Yeah, that's true. And it fits it fits for what they're doing, and that's actually where the Broadway show completely takes the detour than the movie does because. <laughs> We have a whole different set, a whole different stuff, stuff going on. Love people, MB, which we'll get to in a second. But um, I like this song a lot. It is so simple and so short, but it gives them a moment to like have to themselves, right? Which I like. Did you know that the order of these songs was different originally? No. Uh, well, you know what? I now that you say that, I have the uh, the New York the cast recording of the New York Theater Workshop right version. And you're and gonna I say what think I'm it's different say. on there. Yep, because if you go on the, the documentary on the Rent DVDs on the on the Rent DVD set, they explain this that originally it was La Bibouam, La Bibouam B, and then I should tell you. Okay. And then they changed it because they realized that nobody was paying attention anymore for I should tell you. Right. <laughs> attention, which I, I really understand because it felt like the party was over. Why are we doing this now? Yeah. <laughs> so they switched it, and I like it better here, obviously, because it's a nice like break from the action inside. In the Broadway show, Roger and Mimi go off, and they do their thing. But in the movie, they stay put. I actually like the fact that they stay put, personally. Yeah. Much like Marine not being involved, I like the fact that they're involved in all people MB. Sure. But in the Broadway show, Marine shows up because she because that one thing we we did leave out is that that Joanne saw Marine kissing another girl during all people MA, <laughs> which. Dumb Joanne Sora, and now she's pissed at Maureen. 
none of this is in the movie. Because it doesn't make any sense for this to happen. Because they cut all this out. But in the Broadway show, this did happen. And um, they also find out that the riots going on that we raised for earlier. And we also find out the Christmas tree is on fire. (laughs) 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 So, this is ridiculous, but it works. Um... But again, I like Love Your Boy be better in the movie because this feels like a party. More than just sure. like, we're going to break down this whole thing and say, look, this is what's happening around us. Plus, again, it goes back to everyone having their moments. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I like the fact that Mimi has her... Mimi gets a moment in Love Your Boy Like, it's really cool. You know what I mean? She gets a moment. And Angel gets another moment. And they... But by the way, the people... No, nobody but nerds are going to know they did this. They switched... Two words in the Liverpool MB that I noticed immediately. That Angel says, <laughs> and it's so stupid that I know this. And the fact that I have, um, where is it? Because I have it in front of me. It's um, rhythm power feeling. They actually switched the words around. Right. <laughs> and it's only the nerds will notice that, but I noticed yeah, it immediately. I noticed it immediately because I know this song so well. And um, this is where, I, again, I love Mark in these songs, because he gets the final soliloquy of the song, <laughs> which I love. He, out of anyone out of the mainstream, is anyone in the mainstream, back to this again, anyone alive with a sex drive, turn on the wall, aren't we all the opposite of words in peace? It's creation. Which is powerful for me. I love that line. Yes. It's great. Yeah, it, 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 it's a nice culmination to the end of this. Everyone's going crazy. In the movie, I love the sequence in the movie. Because everyone's partying and then it freezes when he says that. And we span across the table. <laughs> and we have the couples. We got Roger we got Roger and Mimi um, kissing, pretty much. And then we have Angel and Collins having a good old time. And then you have Mark doing Mark dances. There's <laughs> 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 no other word for Mark. Just doing no. whatever he's doing in slow motion. And then you have uh, Maureen and Joanne being a lovey-dovey. And that's when we hit the Viva La Viva Wem to end the song. Yep. But in the Broadway show, one more thing is added here, which I like. The riot continues. The Christmas tree goes up in flames. The snow dances. Oblivious, Mimi and Roger share a small, lovely kiss. <laughs> and the spotlight goes up to the making out on top of the set. <laughs> and then we hit La Biba, La Biba, Wem. Viva La Biba, Wem! So there you go. That is where we are. <laughs> so much gone on in this little period yes. of the movie. <laughs> but, yeah, this was a lot of fun. This was a lot of fun to go through again. It's really, I, I love this whole sequence. And now that you say it's like, dude, this hurt the fire. That's going to be in my brain every time I watch this now. 
Well, I, I'm either sorry or I'm glad, whichever. Well, I, I like it because it's definitely something I never thought about before. So right. very, very cool. Well, that is that. That is this. Thank you, David, for being my first guest on the second half of this movie. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Why don't you plug away? Go for it. All right. Uh, I do a couple of different podcasts. Um, my podcast partner, Jason, and I recently finished our deep dive into Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That was a podcast known as Everlasting Minute. It can be found at everlastingminute.com. All of the episodes are still there. Um, and then we do two weekly podcasts. We have Podvocacy, which is just kind of a general weekly chat between the two of us. And then we we started a new uh, a new podcast back in October called Wrestling on the Edge of Forever. And it's a podcast where I give him a wrestling match to watch, and he gives me a an episode of Star Trek to watch. And then we kind of get together and discuss them, and we each ask each other questions about the things that we are that we don't really know about. Um, speaking of wrestling, for those um for those who know me really well, when I record this show, I do this on my nights off and the nights I'm off before work because I know I'm recording during a wrestling show and I'm missing NXT to record this. So you can tell the importance is that I'm missing NXT to record this. <laughs> well, because <laughs> it's my favorite well, show. It's on demand. It's on it is, demand. But it's too. my favorite show. It's by far my favorite wrestling show on television. So that's <laughs> I, I don't miss, I miss NXT when it's on. It says a lot about doing the podcast. There you go. Um, I'll get my plugs out of here. Fill in the Boy Podcast Network. Um, at this point, you may have noticed some changes because we are moved to Tuesday and we have a brand new Tuesday lineup <laughs> because we had nothing on Tuesday for like a year. So we're doing this on Tuesday. You can also find the debuting right after this show, the brand new retro show called the Blake and Sal Show Year One, which you'll be able to hear the first year of our show in order. I found my archives, so we're going to go through the entire history of our show in order. Which, for those who wonder, we've been doing this for five years, so there's a lot there. Wow. <laughs> it's really a lot of fun. I, I'm going back, and I'm like, wow, this is a lot of crazy stuff. So that's coming out right after this on the network. And there might be more surprises on Tuesdays. I'm trying to get I, – I can't say anything now because we're recording it before I have negotiations done on some stuff. So I can't say anything else. But change is coming to the network. Me and Dave are working on things. Also, hear me on um, Clerks Minute every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and on the Blake and Sal Show every single Friday. So, I'm very busy at all times. There you go. Um, next week, we will continue on with New Year's Day and the difference between the Broadway show and the movie. And I like the fact that I'm actually going to be doing more Broadway talk next week because I love the New Year's Day and the movie and the Broadway yeah. show. I love it. It's a fantastic song and so much going on. And... I have a guest lined up, but he hasn't confirmed with me yet, so I don't want to plug it here. But I do have a lot of guests lined up for the next few weeks, and people that are really excited to come on this show. Much like you, David. Again, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Blake. No problem. And thank you all for listening to Know This But Today. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening. No day but today.